Hey y'all, welcome to season two of Phone Home, a guide to finding your way back home. Today I'm recording from cloudy Portland, Oregon, where Boom, Penny, and I are enjoying the freedom of working from home. I'm so grateful to be back and there's so much that I wanna share with you all today. Even though I've been gone for the past nine months, I never really stopped writing down my experiences and insights. Without further ado, let's just get into it. October 2021, a few weeks before exploring the idea of moving to a farm. I've been reflecting on my life a lot lately, thinking about why there are certain things I don't remember as a child. I'm not sure if everyone remembers a lot of their childhood, but it seems like I mostly remember the happy memories. I'm guessing this is a way that my mind has protected itself. Also, maybe this is where my skills of detachment come from. If I'm an old soul like many say, then I came here with some tools that will help me get by. Reading Ram Dass's autobiography is really teaching me how much can happen in one lifetime. I feel like there's already a lot that I've done, but I guess I feel like I'm missing out sometimes. Like I'm in a group of people that are waiting for something. It hasn't always been like this. When living in the city, I felt like I was in a whirlwind of new experiences and connections. Maybe I felt more at home in this highly masculine energy because of the capitalistic society that I live in. Maybe this joy I was feeling was actually tied to finally fitting in. When I was six, I remember my friend dressing me up as a girl and like young kids do, I ran into the kitchen where my mom and her friends were hanging out. To my surprise, my mom was so embarrassed and yelled at me. <laughs> a year or two after, I remember dancing to Shakira with the bottom of my t-shirt pulled through my collar, creating a bra-like shape. My sister was filming me and her friends seemed pretty entertained. As I got older, the two sides of me that wanted to fit in and wanted to be flamboyant clashed. I don't think this came from me, but instead other people's views on who they thought I was supposed to be. My family really loves me and I would never want them to think they did anything wrong with how they raised me because it's brought me to this specific moment in my life. But still, I can't help but think about the version of me out there in another timeline that was encouraged to be flamboyant, that was encouraged to be sensitive. Around this time, I was feeling really stagnant, like I was trying to light a fire that I would usually get when I connected with loved ones and expressed myself creatively, but I was struggling to keep the fire burning. My environment used to help with this fire, going out, working multiple jobs, anything that would help me feel connected to a non-virtual world. Staying indoors has taught me how to connect with my own energy and have better boundaries. It in a way has shown me that I'm the magician and I create all the magic in my life and I don't really need external things to spark my fire. I say this like it's easy, but we're all wired to look externally. We have so many distractions around us, social media, the news, relationships, this person needs this, your job needs that. The ego is a great survival tool, but it doesn't have to be on all the time. If we don't shift the perspective to ourselves, the external will continue asking for our energy. We actually subconsciously manifest distractions. A lot of us want to be distracted because we want to be soothed. 
and because we're in pain. When was the last time we did anything for ourselves? Not for our body, but for our soul. This is the war on consciousness. Everything around us is fighting for our attention. A more unconscious society is a lot easier to control. An unconscious society follows the things that are easiest and generates the highest reward. A conscious society amplifies service to others through a lens of self-love and oneness. During the pandemic, we lived, but we didn't thrive in the ways that we were used to. We thrived indoors with the help of our higher selves and spiritual teams because we finally as a society became more grounded and connected to ourselves. The virtual world was awakening along with souls that have been dormant. Their missions were starting to commence. A metamorphosis was activated. I learned so much about myself by staying indoors. It's like I was taking a course on me. I feel like with the release of this episode, I'm finally graduating from something. I waited so long because I was just trying to understand why I was going through all of this and also just trying to live in the moment. I wanted to move forward in a way that was truest to me in my own time. Going back to my roots, planting my ass back in the soil, and learning how to live in commune with the earth. As many of you know, I was laid off during the pandemic, which led me to use all of my free time to explore deeper states of consciousness and learn all I can about metaphysics and spirituality. My spiritual awakening accelerated very quickly, and instead of really grounding myself, I pumped all of that spiritual energy into my community and creating endeavors like starting this podcast and doing healing sessions for people. Throughout that year and a half, my partner was still working from home, but still yearning for a change. Eventually, we started exploring different ways of living with little to no expenses so we could live a more sovereign and sustainable life. I ended up finding this website called Woof, where people could reach out to small organic farms all around the world and offer their help in exchange for food and housing. Upon my search, I found a 78-year-old Chinese woman who needed help managing her 220-acre farm and 157 animals. Jeez. Her farm was super unique because she was using true organic practices. She was a Chinese-American woman, and this was special because most of the people on this website were white, and she also allowed us to bring our dog, Penny. Everything was starting to fall into place. I remember when we did a huge card reading with a few of our decks before making the decision to move forward and tell our friends and family. The cards gave us a glimpse into what our journey was about to look like. And even though there were some parts that seemed challenging, overall it was really positive. So we told everyone. They thought we were crazy or joining a cult and we started to say our goodbyes. I traveled to Massachusetts to spend my last few days with my family and Boom stayed in New Jersey with his family. It was really bittersweet. On one hand, we were excited to go on this new adventure and leap into the unknown, but on the other hand, we were sad to be away from our support systems and move out of our beautiful apartment. After many emotional goodbyes, a going away party, car checkups, 
and days of patching, painting, cleaning, and moving, we were finally ready to strap in our overhead cargo and bikes to our car and start our journey. Penny wasn't thrilled to leave. She was a sensitive dog that didn't like long drives and change. To make things worse, she was surrounded by boxes and bags of our belongings that eventually fell on her a few times. Boom, Penny, and I all had different experiences that led and prepared us for this journey, but I don't think any of us had any idea of what we got ourselves into. We drove from New Jersey to California in the course of 10 days, hitting 10 different cities and staying in 10 different Airbnbs. Until we got to the farm, this just felt like a fun vacation. We were just grateful to see all these beautiful views and that Penny was there to experience them with us. Eventually, we got to the farm. Day one was tough. And to make things worse, we realized the trailer we were gonna live in for a few months was pretty janky. There was a shower that stayed hot for two whole minutes, two small twin beds with blankets that came from the thrift store, and windows by each of our bed that let in a cool breeze, which forced us to use a space heater throughout the night. Also, no service or Wi-Fi. Boom and I started working on a day our mentor wasn't here, so we were shadowing our host. Our host was really patient and didn't mind mistakes. She understood that we all had to make mistakes in order to know what phase of learning we were in. I've learned a lot of things since we got here. One being that we need to listen to the animals in order to know what they really want or need. On the farm, she has one goat, four dogs, two peacocks, 20 cows, 30 chickens, and about 100 guinea pigs. Yeah. Each of them have a purpose though. With the goat's milk, we make cheese and whey. The guinea pigs make the perfect poop for compost. Also, they're food for the dogs if a newborn is dying or already getting eaten by one of the other guinea pigs. The cows and chicken eggs we eat and also use their poop for compost. The first day here, Penny bit some guy in the ass who was visiting the house. She's never bit anyone before, so I'm guessing she felt really out of her element. On the second day, Penny stood her ground with Olivia the goat. All of us were kind of setting boundaries with each other in different ways. Since Penny got here, Olivia has been taunting and chasing her. Penny was finally over it and just had a barking fit at Olivia. Penny, she just wants to live in peace. Throughout our time on the farm, she would usually just follow us around. And she loved being outside and rolling around in cow poop. Our first welcome dinner was oxtail soup. Boom said it was fancy, but what do I know about food? While eating together, we all started talking about spirituality because of how many Carl Jung books our host had. Her dog Barkley eventually jumped up on the table while we ate dinner. He would usually just stare and wait for scraps. Good thing he's cute. Penny definitely has a crush on him. Barkley has been through it though. <laughs> he kind of reminds me of my friend's cat Prim who fell out of a window and survived falling 17 floors. Barkley is definitely a survivor. He was bit in the face by a rattlesnake. He also was in the mouth of a bobcat and survived because our host told the bobcat to put him down. She kind of has a sixth sense when it comes to animals. Day one was also nice because our host went into town while Boom and I did a few tasks in our own time, like picking up cow poop and dumping it off in the compost pile. We also cleaned out a really gross fish tank not sure what it was used for, maybe guinea pigs, 
but after that we explored the land. It was a 220 acre remote paradise with a pool, sauna, pond, swings, hammocks, three houses, various kinds of animal pens, and a few trails to explore. Most farms on Woof are not like this. Even some of the other farms we toured during our stay weren't this extravagant. Day two was a little easier. I was feeling pretty homesick and emotional these two days. I think it's because of our host's view on death. Totally not sentimental, she says. I would sometimes think of Penny just getting run over by a stranger driving into her house or an animal snatching her up. I always had a fear of death and I think this was a perfect place to finally release those fears. For example, one of my favorite stories, on uh, day two we were having dinner with our host's friends that came in from San Francisco and our host pulled out a baby guinea pig that was dying from her pocket, just out of nowhere. And um, she had a great idea to smash it with a cup on the dinner table and uh, feed it to her dog, yeah. Uh, the next morning, she apologized for it, but I was kind of okay with it. She told me the mom would have done the same thing. The mom would have eaten it, even though guinea pigs are vegetarian. Day three, while Boom was on Zoom for a holistic healing class he was taking, I did the morning feeding with our host, aka we fed all the animals together. Depending on the sunrise, this would usually happen around 6am. She ended up telling me about the different dynamics within the group of cows, who are the head honchos and who gets bullied. I also milked a good amount of goat milk with her help. I'm definitely getting better, just have to now practice with two hands. Day 3, Boom and I also did Tai Chi with one of our host's friends. He's a Tai Chi master. During one portion, it reminded me of a dream I had where Boom and I were doing Tai Chi moves towards each other. It was kind of a deja vu moment. Boom's been having a lot of those lately. Time moves so much slower here. The days are longer because you wake up at 6am and go to sleep around 10pm. The work here could be crazier, but I'm sure it will be in the future, but something about all of this feels right and needed so far. It's like my future self and guides were leading me here because they knew what would come out of it. It's always scary to rip the band-aid off and make a hard transition. Sure, I miss my old apartment because it was comfortable and beautiful, but this also has its own vibration of comfort and beauty. I love the peacocks here. They're so curious about me. I wonder if they'll let me touch them one day. Uh, this definitely changed. They're actually kind of evil and bit me and a few other people a few times. Next week, I think Boom and I are going to Yosemite. Everyone keeps telling us how beautiful it is. I haven't been feeling like I have a routine yet. So my podcast, content creation, and spirituality, in the old way I used to practice in an apartment, have been put on pause until I really integrate and get comfortable with this experience. Gotta just learn how to flow. Our host has made so many transitions in her life. Seems like she was a world traveler, which makes sense because she's a photographer. Three weeks later, the food here makes me feel so good. Probably because most of the meat and vegetables come from the animals and garden here. The sunshine and exercise also help. Our host can be intense at times, but we heard a new volunteer will be joining us soon. 
We have a mentor who works on the farm too. He's around our age, writes sci-fi books, and is really easy to talk to. He taught us how to use a chainsaw, plant trees, paint, and build stuff. Super butch. He is also Filipino, like Boom, so it was cool to eventually go over his place for dinners and eat Filipino food and play video games. Unfortunately, around this time, Penny got into a fight with one of the dogs on the farm, Cedar, while Penny, Barkley, and I were playing soccer. Our host didn't let me break up the fight because she believed animals needed to work out their differences themselves, but being in the middle of a bloody dog fight was starting to feel traumatic. I ended up waiting for an opening and grabbed Penny. Cedar had a few gashes in her neck and Penny was fine. Since our host didn't believe in modern medicine, she used urine therapy and my experience in energy healing to help her dog. Cedar didn't seem to be getting better, so she eventually had to get surgery. I'm glad she was okay. For the next three and a half months, Cedar avoided Penny, but at least they could be in the same room as each other. Around this time, a new volunteer, or as we like to call it, a new woofer, came to work on the farm for a few weeks. We were so glad we had someone else around that was around the same age as us and has actually experienced living here before. Over the course of a few years, she has volunteered at over 10 farms, so she was an expert in not only farm life, but navigating difficult personalities. She also convinced our host to let us stay in a room in our guest house instead of living in the RV. The guest house was supposed to be reserved for guests, but I was always complaining about how crappy the shower and beds were in the RV, so she eventually caved. In the kitchen, she taught us how to make water kefir, focaccia bread, and herb salt. On the farm, she taught us so much about managing a farm, growing in a garden, and the animals. Honestly, I could probably make an entire episode just about the stuff she and our mentor taught us. They were so young and overflowing with so much knowledge. We all spent so much time together and shared a lot of laughs. I still feel sad sometimes not being able to see them every day. I wish I was just a little bit more grateful back then. Thanksgiving and Christmas were a whirlwind because our host had friends and family staying over. Because she used to own a bed and breakfast in Taos, New Mexico, she wanted to offer that experience here on the farm as well. So not only were we taking care of the farm and animals, but now we were entertaining and cooking for her guests. Ivan did some healing sessions during this time for some of them, which was a nice opportunity to do something I loved. These holiday dinners were a lot of work though, and our host wasn't being very patient, so we felt pretty unappreciated. These inharmonious dynamics eventually trickled down to how well Boom and I worked together, so we decided something had to change. This was the beginning stage of us deciding to leave. Shortly after, our host surprisingly ended up gifting us a week-long stay and free dinner at her daughter's fancy vineyard for Boom's birthday. We made some goat cheese at the farm like we usually did once a week and delivered it to her restaurant at the vineyard. We got a tour of this beautiful vineyard when we arrived and was then shown the house we were staying in. Okay. It was a beautiful three-bedroom mansion that people usually rent out when they, you know, get married with a guest house. 
Boom and I were so grateful to be able to get away for a week and just let our hair down. It's like the universe was rewarding us for making it this far. We went to the beach, the aquarium, explored town, and just ate really good food. When we came back from our getaway, I started interviewing at a few companies in San Francisco, along with a dog food company, while cultivating some more self-love for myself through an online meditation course. My mental health was just not doing the best at this point. Eventually, I accepted a job as the executive assistant to the CEO of a dog food company and let our host know that we would be leaving at the end of the month. Now that we were actually leaving, I was starting to reminisce on all of the new connections we made along the way. I forgot how nice it could be to make new friends and spend time with different families. We learned so much about the people who visited and stayed at the farm. I'll miss the times when we all had dinner together and watched the girl with the dragon tattoo, the healing sessions I did, learning how to cook well, and finding healthier ways to nourish my body. At times we all lived in harmony with each other, other times we bickered and maybe said a few things we regretted. It was physically and emotionally draining, but I definitely would do it again if I had to. My favorite parts of this experience weren't all of the things we did, but the conversations we all had with each other while working in the garden, shoveling cow poop, painting a chicken coop, or warming up by the fire. The top things I learned here were most people are dehydrated and drink bad quality water. This leads to a lot of different problems in the body. Next, nutrient-dense soil makes nutrient-dense food. Meaning, if you take the time to improve your soil through composting or other means, you'll be able to grow some pretty powerful herbs and veggies. Next, bacteria is really good for your microbiome, immune system, and overall health. So taking less showers, which eliminates some of the bacteria on your skin, eating or drinking fermented foods like kombucha, water kefir, sourdough, and kimchi, and overall, working at a farm where there was a diverse number of bacteria from different animals was helpful as well. Also, Boom and I weren't eating dairy or meat before coming here, but through rebuilding our microbiome, we were able to eat dairy and meat again without any issues. We originally stopped because it was causing gut and skin issues, and overall not really making us feel good. We learned that if we got our dairy and meat from high quality sources like organic farms, our bodies wouldn't reject it. The last top thing I learned was why eating organic is important. So in the US, we have this company called Monsanto, which has a presence in 150 countries. They're known for herbicides and GMOs. In the 1970s, they became the largest producers of engineered crops. Now, 80% of the US is corn, 93% of the US is soy, and various other crops are grown from Monsanto patented GMO seeds. 282 million acres of Monsanto products are actually grown worldwide. These seeds are patented because the crops are actually altered to be resistant to herbicides like dicamba and glyphosate. So Monsanto goes around and sprays these herbicides on their fields, making them incense resistant and killing any weeds. If there are actually any farms in the area that don't use their GMO seeds, it's possible for particles of this herbicide to travel to their farm and kill all of their crops. So pretty much we're dealing with some crazy ass bionic seeds. 
A lot of food growers out there actually agree with these practices because they use the same herbicides that Monsanto sells, which are usually called Roundup, to keep pests away from their garden. The problem with this is that by doing that, we're not giving back to the ecosystem we're taking from. We have to be more aligned with nature and its needs in order to rebuild life on this planet, which is so needed right now. If animals come into your garden and eat your food, be grateful and happy that you're providing for them because in many ways you may not realize they're also providing for you. Going back to Monsanto, they also created a growth hormone they inject in cows which was so toxic that Europe, Japan, Australia, and Canada made the use of it illegal. Lastly, from 1965 to 1969, Monsanto manufactured Agent Orange for the US Army amidst the Vietnam War. Agent Orange was sprayed across Vietnam, not only destroying Vietnamese forests, but also creating a generation of disabled mutated babies, which still live unfortunate lives. Not only is Monsanto negatively affecting the US's environment, but our overall health. The herbicide that they spray their crops with and sell for local farmers all around the country have been linked to cause cancer, kidney and liver damage, and even autism. This is why eating organic is so important, and even better, creating a relationship with a farm that treats their land and animals well. Trust me, you haven't tried food until you've tried food grown through ethical and organic practices. It makes a huge difference in how you feel and how you show up every day. When you wake up to finally realizing that so many aspects of our lives are controlled, you get to start creating a sovereign life, which is a life that's not chosen by others or society, but a life that's authentically yours. It's like our life is always being partially woven by a nefarious outside force that tells us how much we should be getting paid to live a fulfilling life, how we should look, how we shouldn't do this or that, and all of that programming goes into the minds of others who don't believe in their own opinions and adopt them because they don't want to bite the hand that's feeding them. That programming is then sent out like a signal through this person's body which manifests experiences that match or mirror that programming within them. Because we all create and manage our realities through our beliefs, that programming is then telling the universe that we want more experiences that reaffirm the fear that we feel within. This is why it's important to be really specific with how you want your life to look, the kinds of people you want to be around, the exact things you want to experience, and believe that they're possible. Because if we don't dream and tune into the unlimited multidimensional possibilities that are all within our reach, then we're just opting in for the default. And who decides what the default beliefs and experiences society will have? The ones that are in power. Without this duality of deep control and sovereignty, yin and yang, we wouldn't be able to see how low-key blind we all are. And I always like to say, the brighter the light, the darker the shadow. That duality of light and dark was also what made a lot of the things I learned at the farm rememberable. Everything we learned connected to a real-life experience or problem we were facing. Some of that knowledge we used right then and there, but I also feel like what we learned was very specific to what knowledge Boom and I will need for the future, maybe in our own farm. Everything we went through had a bigger purpose than what we may have seen from our perspective. 
we may have impacted people and never even known. So it's helpful to see everyone as a part of you, like an organ with a very specific function. We wouldn't try to make a heart into a lung, because if we did, we would die. Everyone and everything in our life is playing a role like a play. Except that everything is happening for the betterment of your life. Thank you all so much for listening and holding space. I love you and I'll catch you in the next one.